On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, where would Scotty Barnes go in a redraft at the 2021 NBA Draft? We'll dig into that and so much more in another mailbag edition of Locked On Raptors. Thanks. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, August the 22nd, and I am still recording from the past as I am on vacation, but you lovely listeners sent in a ton of great listener questions, and so we are going to dig into some mailbag cues once again today. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. Of course, we're covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And, of course, you can join the Locked On Raptors Discord. The link is in the description, or it might be expired by now. Uh, but either way, uh, you can DM me on Instagram or DM the show on instagram and you will be able to get that link if you want to hop on in and if not just wait till next week when i'm sending out those fresh links left right and center once again all right let's get to it on today's show once again taking your mailbag questions and we have some really juicy ones today we'll probably only get to like three today because we got some good ones we will start with one regarding one scotty barnes and the 2021 nba draft this one comes from stago Simply redraft the 2021 top 10. Where would you place Scotty? Also, if you could trade Scotty for Franz Wagner right now, would you do it? Let's save the Scotty for Franz thing in just a second because I think that is utterly fascinating as a question. And uh, frankly, I've been thinking about this one for multiple days since the question came in, and I still don't really know how I'm going to come down. So we'll just go gut instinct here on the podcast. Either way, let's pull up the 2021 NBA draft, the top 10 from that year, of course, number one, Cade Cunningham goes to Detroit. Number two, Jalen Green to the Houston Rockets. Number three, Evan Mobley to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Number four, Scotty Barnes to Toronto, of course. Number five, Orlando takes Jalen Suggs. At six, OKC takes Josh Giddy. At number seven, Jonathan Kaminga goes to the Warriors. At number eight, Franz Wagner goes to Orlando. At number nine, Davion Mitchell uh, to Sacramento. At number 10, the Grizzlies via the Pelicans get Zaire Williams. Of those guys, I think we're probably looking at like five to six of those top 10 are still going to be in my top 10 as I put it together here. A few guys, obviously, deeper in the draft have really popped, who I think probably should go much, much higher if they were to do a redraft right now. Um, So let's begin. At the top, the number one pick, this is really interesting because there's still an argument to be made that the type of player Cade Cunningham is a multi-level scorer who's a big wing guard type creator who can shoot and play some defense. In theory, that's a fantastic player. In the games that he has played, he's played 76 games. Uh, He's not been terribly efficient, but he has averaged 18, 6, and 6. He's got that sort of stat-stuffing ability. Um, And I think Cade Cunningham is still going to be a very good player despite the injuries that have hampered him through his first two seasons. I don't think I can go with him at number one, though. I think it's probably Evan Mobley still. 
He's just, there's a lot to like with Evan Mobley. I think we saw down the stretch of last season the steps that he made when it came to his playmaking, when it came to just sort of being a, a scorer who could go and get something for himself. I think as he kind of grows into that, the, the defense is obviously going to be unbelievable, but as the offense comes along, the package is going to be pretty undeniable. And Evan Mobley is going to be the type of big man that every really good team needs. I'm also so interested to see as they continue to sort of figure out that wing situation in Cleveland. Obviously, Isaac Okoro, Isaac Okoro is not quite worked out. They moved on from Jetty Osmond. They have now Max Struess and George Niang probably filling in that spot a little bit. The shooting's great with those guys. The defense is not. And I'm really excited to see... You know, we didn't get to see this against the Knicks in the playoffs, say, because the Cavs were completely busted and broken um, and just did not play real basketball, and Evan Mobley was kind of bad. Um, but I'm really excited if they come up against, say, a Boston or uh, even like, a, you know, maybe Miami, yeah, Miami with Jimmy Butler. You think about teams with, like, big wing types, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton. Do they start using Evan Mobley as like their wing defender to shut these guys down? I think he can do it, and I think it would be horrifying to see him kind of do it. Um, so I'm going Mobley number one. I know it's going to piss some Raptors fans off, but he's just been the more impressive player through a couple seasons to me. Um, number two, I think it's probably Franz Wagner as of right now, just because he's shown a little bit more dribble pass shoot than Scotty Barnes has. I think Scotty Barnes obviously has shown plenty of pass and some dribble, but Franz Wagner is going to be a wing creating type for a long time. Does he have like a massive crazy ceiling? I'm not sure. I'd probably take Scotty's ceiling over Franz's ceiling right now, but I think I feel a lot better about Franz reaching his ceiling than I do about Scotty Barnes reaching his ceiling right now. So I would probably have Franz at number two. And to answer the question from Stago, would I trade them for one another? I think it's kind of the deal where neither team would want to do it because they're kind of married to their own guy. Franz would certainly fit on this version of the Raptors a lot better. You slot him in next to Pascal Siakam, and all of a sudden all the spacing concerns are gone. Um, but you also don't have anything resembling a point guard on the Raptors when you move Scotty Barnes. I, again, I don't think Scotty Barnes is a point guard anyway, but um, if you were to move him, you would have even fewer options to run the point, and I don't think Franz Wagner is going to do that for you as much as he's got versatile sort of secondary creation chops. So I would say it's Franz 2, Scotty 3 for me, but it's close, and I could be convinced either way. Then we can probably go Cade at 4, I would say, uh, just because of the upside and the, the wing creation that you just don't find that package of skills very often. At number 5, I think I'm going Trey Murphy. He went 17th in that draft. Um, he, you know, he's been a ridiculous 40% three-point shooter. We saw a little bit of extra sort of self-creation last year. Not much in terms of playmaking just yet, but he's played on a weird team that's been kind of disjointed and strange. And he's only played two seasons as a very good sort of catch-and-shoot role-player guy on a team that badly needs catch-and-shoot role-player guys. I think Trey Murphy is going to figure to be a very, very good player for a very long time. He's one of the players who I would most covet for the Raptors if they were going to sort of trade and sort of move some of their better players for younger guys. Trey Murphy would be very top of the list. So I'll go Trey Murphy at number five. Then I'll go Jalen Green at six, because I think Jalen Green is still very good. Um, you know, I'm not totally sold on him being like the best player on a great team or anything like that, but he's going to probably average 30 a game some season down the line. I don't think you could take a guy like that lower than sixth. At seventh, I'd probably go Alperin Shengun. Maybe I'm too high on Alperin Shengun. I think he's probably going to be the guy 
who benefits most from Fred Van Vliet's arrival in Houston. And I think that pick and roll combination is going to be awesome. If the rumors are true that he grew two inches over the summer, watch the hell out. I love Shengun. I think he would be a, a pretty awesome fit on basically any team. Um, and uh, I think he's got a, a pretty long runway of good basketball in front of him. I'm also a giant sucker for a big man who throws cool passes. So I might be a little biased here, but I'll throw Alperin Shengun in as the number seven pick. Then it gets, I think, a little bit tougher to sort of parse. I think there's a lot of guys you can make an argument for. I'll probably say at number eight, let's go Quentin Grimes. I know that's, again, this is me just trying to get good players who fit basketball teams that do productive winning. And I think Quentin Grimes will be that. And so I'll go him at number eight. I'll go Josh Giddy at number nine. The shooting, I think, is a little bit of a concern. Is he ever going to figure it out? Hard to say, but I, I think I'll probably go him at number nine just because he's a fun guy who throws cool passes and you got to like a player like that. And then at number 10, I'll probably say Jonathan Kaminga, who went seventh, obviously, to the Warriors. I, I think Kaminga probably going to get more of a role this year with Golden State. Hopefully he does get some runway. He's super duper athletic. He's a really fun player. And so I'll say Kaminga at number 10. Um, so yeah, there's my top 10. I already forget the order, so I'm not going to rehash it. Uh <laughs> What was it? I had number one, Mobley, number two, Franz, number three, Scotty, number four, Cade, number five was Trey Murphy, number six was Jalen Green, number seven, Alperin Shengun, number eight, uh, oh god, I lost it again, number eight, Quentin Grimes, number nine, Josh Giddy, number ten with uh, Jonathan Kaminga. There you go. All right, we'll come back to the side, get into some more questions, including one that I love. Uh, a sort of flipping of the head of a question that has already been asked quite a bit uh, on this show and various other Raptors platforms. But what if we looked at the inverse of that question? We'll get to that in just a second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Ibotta, who are the place to go if you're looking to get some cash back for the stuff that you're buying anyway, whether it's groceries, school shopping, getting a little something for yourself. You know you're already going to be spending that money, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? With Ibotta, you can earn cash back on every single shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items, from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It is that easy and the average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back that could cover the cost of an entire trip trip to the grocery store, or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're trying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you've been craving at that new hot restaurant. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use the code LOCKED, that's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. All right, we continue on here. Your first list of the day. Mailbag trudging along here. And a really good question comes in from J-Lo. No, not Jennifer Lopez. Jeff Lowe, our pal in the Discord. Once again, if you want your questions answered on the podcast, the Discord is where those are getting answered. So stop waiting. Join the Discord. Would love to see you in there. Uh, all the mailbag questions on your episode coming up later this week on the episodes last week have come from loyal Discord members. All right. This one comes, again, from J-Lo asking, we often hear that if Dwayne Casey had a shot with Kawhi, what would have happened? And we get to that question all the time. Let's reverse that. What if Nick Nurse was coaching the 2018 Bench Mob Raptors? Would they have beaten LeBron in the playoffs? This is a fascinating question because you're kind of going sort of, there's two different sort of pulling forces here. One, LeBron had the Raptors' brains in the palm of his hand. Uh, and 
I'm not a person who typically buys into, oh, they don't have the mental fortitude to do this. And I was, during that We the North era, pretty staunchly opposed to that idea. Yeah, they lost to the Wizards in the playoffs. It was just kind of not a very good team, and they were really injured. That's fine. They went seven against the Nets, had some big wins there. Kyle Lowry showed out in multiple games in that series. Didn't really get the sense that, oh, he's too afraid of the moment or anything like that. You get into 2016, they win in the first round. Yes, it's ugly. Yes, the game one curse was a thing and all of that. But ultimately, they made it to the conference finals. And Kyle Lowry himself had some massive games. Yes, DeMar DeRozan, not so great. But I, I never chalked up DeMar's struggles in the playoffs to he didn't have the mental will to do it. I think it was just his game is not very playoff conducive. And that's the simplest explanation. And so all through... 2017, you know, the, the first round win against the Bucks, getting swept in the second round. Yes, that sucked, but also that Cavs team was very, very good in 2017. Um, you know, arguably the best team they had until they lost to the Warriors. Um, you know, I think th th those teams, I had a hard time being like, you know what, they're, they're, they just don't have it. They don't have the will. They don't have the, the mental sort of constitution to do this. That all fell apart when they lost game one in 2018. And the press conference after that game is the most somber thing I have ever covered in my professional career of covering things. And look, I'm not doing news reporting or anything like that. I'm not covering very sad things most of the time. But there was like a palpable sense of, oh my God, it's happened again and we're screwed after that game one loss where Jonas Valanciunas misses the dozen tip-ins uh, at the end of regulation. Fred Van Vliet misses the three at the end of the game. It might be the other way around. I always get those two confused because they were both so traumatic. They're a blur and they blend together. Um, but just the sense that you got after that game was they're broken. They can't get over the LeBron hump. They know that they can't. DeMar DeRozan's talking about, oh, well, they got that guy. What are we supposed to do? LeBron's spinning beers and is spinning balls in people's face and drinking beers on the sideline and all that stuff. Like It was just a pretty grim scene. And I had my sort of philosophy changed that day when it came to that Raptors team and their mental constitution. I just thought, okay, yeah, no, LeBron's in their heads and it's clear. And the fact that they referenced game one throughout the rest of that series as they lost subsequent, subsequent games, I think suggested that game one was kind of the breaking point. The question is, do they avoid that breaking point in game one if Nick Nurse is the coach? So many different butterfly effects, it's butterfly effect things here that I, I think it's really hard to know for sure. But I think, I don't know if the bench mob ever happens the way it does if Nick Nurse were the head coach, right? What does Nick Nurse do? He throws everything he can to win every single individual game. Would he have had the stomach to kind of roll with the bench mob and you know, obviously they were excellent and figured their, themselves out and they were an awesome, awesome lineup that season. But do they even get the chance to play five bench guys together in a bench mob without Dwayne Casey's sort of very, very serious, staunch commitment to playing 10-man rotation? I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't know if that happens. And then you get to the playoffs. Is there a in-game adjustment that could have been made. I haven't got. I have to go back and watch that game one, I suppose. But that game one is the turning point. If they win that game one, I think there's a chance they actually do the thing and pull out a series win over that, that not very good Cavs team. They were busted that year, barely scraped through against the Pacers in the first round. And the Raptors, like every single metric in the book said, this team is so much better than the Cavs. This awful defensive team that leans so much on LeBron. They were bad. And it really felt like the Raptors had the shot to do it. And again, 
is there a, a, a point in that first game where a Nick Nurse in-game sub or, or change would have changed the, the the tone and tenor of the game? I'm honestly not so sure. And, and I kind of think, you know, at, at some point, the LeBron of it all was just going to win out. He was more talented than the guys the Raptors had. It was just facts. It's, it's an unfortunate reality. But LeBron kind of had that will. I'm not sure that that first game flips if Nick Nurse is the coach. I, I, I think they probably were in their heads about it anyway. Um, I can tell you for one thing, this is for damn certain, uh, LeBron James would have been double teamed on the buzzer beater off glass in game three. I can promise you that uh, because Nick Nurse, love him or hate him, he certainly did not suffer uh, star players going unencumbered to the basket without two dudes running into them. So maybe that game changes. Maybe they win game three and it's a miraculous thing. OGs hit the game tying shot. They go to overtime and they pull out the win and all of that. Would have been awesome, um, but I think they were too far gone by that point. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, I think they still probably get LeBron toed is the uh, is the answer to this question, as much as that pains me to say. And then on the other side, I don't know if I've actually kind of dove deep on the podcast into the would Dwayne Casey have beaten or won the, won the championship with Kawhi Leonard had he gotten a shot. I don't think so, probably. Like, there were a lot of really inventive coaching maneuvers made by Nick Nurse throughout that playoff run, and he kind of displayed a game-to-game and in-game adaptability that Dwayne Casey just kind of never showed. It's totally possible that Dwayne Casey, back for another season after having been screamed at for not double-teaming LeBron James, changes the way he he operates and gets a little bit more quick with his, uh, you know, reactive decision-making and all of that stuff, but it probably not. You know, the guy was what he was, and Dwayne Casey was an awesome coach for a lot of reasons, and in-game adjustments in the playoffs were not it. So I don't think he makes the sort of call to oh let's go big with Ibaka and uh, with Ibaka and Mark uh, Marcus Saul in the Sixers series. I don't think he box and one Steph Curry in the finals and all that. Um, you know, so at some point having Kawhi Leonard on your team makes it so it's easier to win a championship. Whatever coach you are. I'm sure they still would have gone very deep, um, but I think the in-game sort of tactician work from Nick Nurse was pretty impressive in that playoff run. It was what sold us all on Nick Nurse, and so uh, I think they probably don't win it if Nick Nurse uh, is not coaching that team. You know, lots of different things have to go right for you to win a championship, and I think Nick Nurse being the coach was uh, one of those things. So um, to answer the question in short, they things kind of probably happen the same in the LeBronto series. And they definitely, I think, go differently with Nick Nurse coaching versus Dwayne Casey coaching in the championship season. Love Dwayne Casey, though. Miss Dwayne Casey. Really wish Dwayne Casey's sort of, uh, you know, staunch 10-man rotations were a thing that we could get excited about this coming season. That'd be cool. Darko, take some notes. Uh, We'll come back on the other side, close things out with the final mailbag questions about trade scuttlebutt, which, hell, by the time you're listening to this, it's fully possible that Pascal Siakam is an Atlanta Hawk or an Indiana Pacer or a New Orleans Pelican, and this question is entirely out of date. We'll run that risk. Coming up, we'll play dangerous and live on the edge. <laughs> but before we do that, just a reminder, go check out Lockdown Blue Jays. Our pal Craig Ballard does a wonderful job documenting the ups and downs of the Toronto Blue Jays each and every day. As uh, by now, who knows where they are in the wild card chase. Maybe they're behind Seattle. Maybe they're ahead of Seattle. Maybe they, they've got a crazy heater in line with an Orioles losing streak and are now ahead of the Orioles. Who's to say? Either way, Craig Ballard is to say uh, whatever there is about the Blue Jays every single day over on Lockdown Blue Jays. Go check it out. All right, let's round it out here. Final question of your Tuesday mailbag here. And this one comes from Barney Bass asking, 
With all the Pascal and OG trade speculation, has there once been a source from within the Raptors organization that has said they are shopping either player? All this chatter seems to be coming from outside sources, agents, other teams, even the media. And the reasoning, as I try to read slower than the (laughs) teleprompter across the bottom runs, and the reasoning for Pascal not being at Summer League was even sort of attributed to this as well. Everyone makes it seems like the Raptors are trying to trade these guys, but is that actually the case? Isn't it more sort of like a you know just other teams inquiring about those guys as opposed to them actually being traded? Thank you for the very long question, Barney. I'm sorry I'm too too fast a reader to have gotten it all in. Um, look, I think it's not just smoke and mirrors, right? Like, yes. There's probably not been someone from in, within the Raptors organization leaking the latest trade scuttle button details and their sort of intentions to trade Pascal at Rogi. I doubt that's happened. But Michael Grange has written pieces. He is very plugged in. He has a line into the front office, into the, the, the workings of the team. I think if there is noise about there being at least like some hesitation about extending Pascal or looking into trading him, like it's real. And from agents, from outside sources, all this stuff, like they don't just make it up yes it's leaked strategically and leaked with proper wording and all of that stuff but if a lot of people are saying that pascal siakam's name has been out there you know jake fisher's reported this you know all sorts of people have reported this that pascal's name has been on the mouths of people then i i don't think it's just like a coincidence that you know there, there have been some i don't think it's like a try to rephrase if it's out there, like there's something to it. There is at least some fire to the smoke. And again, it's all subterfuge. It's all like just sort of agenda driven and, and rumors and leaks and all this stuff. But you also couple just like the common sense of where the Raptors sit as a franchise right now, where they're at this crossroads. It feels like they have to pick a direction right now. And that is sort of being expedited and forced upon them by the fact that their two best players are currently on expiring contracts and can they risk those two guys going into the season on expiring contracts you have the um the hawks situation where where, you know that the raptors are going to want a lot from the hawks the hawks are probably not going to be inclined to give up a lot for pascal just because of the and you know the expiring situation there the fact that pascal the reports are that he doesn't want to resign somewhere there's too much that's been reported out there to not think there is something here yes the, uh, probably there is an element to yes the raptors are just taking calls and listening and that's what people, what people do and people call and you have a conversation and just because you had a conversation doesn't mean you are shopping the guy i don't think they're actively shopping pascal or og but I do think that they're taking calls. And I think that makes sense with the position they are in as a franchise. So do I think it's all made up? No. Do I think there is something to it? Absolutely, I do. Do I, you know, again, has the trade already happened as I'm answering this question? Totally possible. <laughs> but, and if that's the case, then that's hilarious. But yeah, as much as I don't think the Raptors are out there like leaking the, the latest calls they're making and latest trade boards and everything like that, Uh, There's too much noise about there at least being some consideration of trading Pascal to suggest that the Raptors are are, are not at all thinking about it or anything like that. Like, it's obviously happening. There's obviously conversations going on because those conversations are making it out into the public sphere. Um, Well, does that mean anything's going to happen? Absolutely not. Like, they could totally not trade either of those guys, and it would not be at all surprising because more often than not, Trade conversations and calls with other GMs don't lead to trades going down. The 99% of the time, that's the case. So, um, yeah, 
I hope I answered your question. I don't, I don't know if I did exactly, but uh, I did my best. Uh, and so that's that. Uh, we are going to leave it there. Thank you again so much to everybody for tuning into the show, for supporting. Uh, while I'm gallivanting around on vacation, I appreciate all of the, uh, the people who have sent in great questions to help get us through these couple of weeks. I'll be back again on Thursday with another mailbag episode and then back to regular, up-to-date, evergreen episodes that uh, are not at risk of being put out of date by trades or anything like that as of next week. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to getting to back, back into the regular swing and uh, answer, and doing podcasts that are not just answering mailbag questions, although the mailbag questions have been fantastic and I've appreciated every single one of them that has come in. Uh, again, we've got more of those coming up on Thursday. Go check out last week's mailbags as well. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye.